The title of my video on Wednesday was Will Mike Miles Return Tonight? Well, he didn't, and the Frogs lost. I have some basketball thoughts coming at you right now. Let's talk about Unlocked on Horn Frogs. You are Locked on Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It is Locked On Horn Frogs. You can subscribe on YouTube. Uh, TCU basketball fell tonight 70 to 59 to Iowa State. Um, got off to a horrible start. We're down 13 to 2, I think, at the first media timeout. Um, the biggest stat that stands out in this game is they were an abysmal 6 of 18 from the free throw line, which at one point they were 2 of 12 for a power five basketball team. Uh, that's atrocious. For a team that has some hype and has said, you know, is in the top, I mean, they're in the top 25 right now. I assume they'll probably drop out um, at the end of this week. Maybe a win over Oklahoma State on Saturday will save that. But for a team that has been a top 15 team for a lot of the year, um, that's horrible. You know, that's, that's just fundamental basketball. And they're not a good free throw shooting team. It seems like there's some sort of rule that TCU basketball cannot be good at that. Um, most basic part of the game. I mean, I, I was in school during the Trent Johnson era, and obviously they were really bad back then. It kind of made more sense, though, at that point. But even the Jamie Dixon teams have not been good at the line. And Eddie Lampkin was back. Uh, Mike Miles was not. You know, I, I said on Wednesday – that it seemed like this was the opportunity for them to get rolling. Mike practiced on Tuesday. For whatever reason, didn't play. He tweeted out um, this afternoon. Let me make sure I, I have it so I can quote him correctly. But there are rumors that he would play tonight. Um, and he tweeted out before the game, any reports of me playing tonight are false. I will be back when I'm fully ready to go. So fair enough. I mean, I assume that he gave it a go. And he's just not completely ready for game situations. I do think it's strange how they've handled these injury situations. Not so much with Mike. I mean, he had a dislocated knee. He's been working his way back. Seemed like he would play tonight. He didn't end up playing. But I don't think that one is really eyebrow-raising. The Lampkin thing is odd. I don't really know what's going on. Um, Just because it seems like there's a communication breakdown here. Uh, John Rothstein, who covers college basketball for CBS Sports, said he was going to be out tonight, and he was coming back from um, Eddie attended a funeral on Saturday, which I'm very sorry for his loss, and obviously that's a reason to miss a game. It's a personal situation. Um, but just the back and forth has been strange. You know, he played – Coming off that ankle injury against Kansas, he can't, he went back in that game. And then he was out, and then he played in the West Virginia game for a little bit. And then he was out. He played against Kansas State. Um, I thought he looked a little more mobile at times today, but he's still really struggling to move laterally. Uh, he had three points, I think, on the night. It was one of two from the field. Had an and one. Just... I mean, it's not his fault. He just is obviously still working his way back and, and is not at full strength. And he missed the Baylor game for a completely understandable reason. But 
I mean, they don't really owe us any sort of explanation. I'm just not really sure what what's going on there. Um, but that's between Eddie and the team. And I mean, if he's not ready to rock and roll, then that is what it is. Like, you got to protect these players um, first and foremost. But I've just been confused at, at the back and forth with his status. I don't really know what's going on there. The game itself, they just didn't play well. Iowa State is a really good defensive team. They've they've held. Um, Big 12 opponents to 61 points a game, and they were pretty much right at their average, giving up 59 to TCU. TCU had a few runs. I mean, a couple times they would make a 10-0 run to cut it to single digits. You know, had it down to as little as seven at one point. But every time they would get back in the game, Iowa State would come right back and and put it out of distance again. So I'm I'm skeptical. I think this is still a group that can close out the season strong, but the problem is you're six and seven now. Like you've lost four in a row. Um, and for all this discussion about like, man, when they're full strength, they're gonna be a flamethrower and they're just gonna start busting teams up and running over people. You can't really afford to drop many more games. I mean, you have five conference games left, and even in an amazing Big 12 ter- Big 12 conference, I feel like you have to win two of those and be eight and ten in the regular season to be a lock for the tournament. You need to do better than that if you want to have a decent seed, you know, a decent um, line and decent draw to start the tourney and not playing in that 8-9 game again. And as much as I would love for them to just hit the ground running when Mike's back, are we guaranteed that he's going to be back Saturday? I mean, I don't know. Um, And if he's able to go, is he going to be able to play his – minutes like he normally would will he be uh will it take him a while to get adjusted to the game again if you if you drop a home game to Oklahoma State and you're suddenly six and eight this thing gets pretty hairy so we're we're entering must-win territory and I just I hope I'm wrong but as I sit here today I don't have a ton of optimism for this team making a run moving forward um, because it's just been a slog. You know, they've, listen, they had a couple chances. They had a chance to steal a game against Baylor. They had a chance to steal a game against Oklahoma State on the road. Couldn't do it. The other two games that um, Mike has missed, you know, since he's been out, they've gotten blown out on the road against Kansas State and Iowa State. Iowa State's a good team. They came out with a lot of energy tonight. Um, It's just not working right now. And, when Mike gets back, they're going to be a lot better. I think when Eddie Lampkin's at full strength and he's playing with his normal energy level and his normal mobility, then they're going to be a lot better. But you're running out of you're running out of mulligans here. I mean, you're running out of opportunities to right the ship. And I do think if the team saw Mike practice Tuesday and he was full go and looked great, and then all of a sudden he can't play, while it's understandable, it's also got to be deflating. I mean – I feel like that group probably expended a lot of energy on Saturday against Baylor. Couldn't close it out. But the expectation was, okay, if we can just get through today, then we're going to start getting guys back and we'll we'll get rolling. And that didn't happen. And so sort of ran into some tough circumstances tonight. But, um, I mean, somebody's got to get a foothold and, and turn this train around and get it going in a different direction. Um, and I, I, I wish the guys all the best. I, I want to see it happen. I'm just, I mean, this is this is becoming more than a trend, and you're losing ground. You're losing ground fast with with these losses, even though 
and the Big 12, these individual losses don't necessarily mean a ton as far as, you know, the tournament goes because it's such a respected conference. And if you have a respectable record, you're going to get in. Um, this is getting kind of bleak. So Andy Swain on Twitter um, said, TCU can't shoot, can't shoot, can't win. And yeah, I mean, there's there's something to that. I talked about the, the abysmal free throw shooting tonight and from from deep, um, they were 5 and 19, 26%. I mean, Check O'Bannon, one of three from, from three-point range. Shahade Wells, one of seven from three-point range. Um, just nobody's hitting shots. I mean, nobody's getting anything going on offense right now, and and it's tough to watch. I, I hope they can can turn this thing around. But, um, again, you're just you're kind of running out of wiggle room here as the season continues to progress. When we come back, we'll talk some CCU football. Before we do that, though, I do want to tell you about FanDuel. FanDuel, I've talked about this. They are the official betting partner of the NBA. NFL season is over, obviously. And you say, hey, what do we turn our attention to now? Um, you can, customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Uh, and you can just bet on the games themselves, the, the standard money lines, or you can get involved in some of these prop bets, player points, rebounds, assists, even super exclusive bets. Like I've told you this before, but two three pointers scored in the first three minutes. That's the type of exclusive bet you can get on the FanDuel app. FanDuel lets you combine your bets for a chance to win a bigger payout with the same game parlay. Don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. Again, that's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. Uh, okay, so TCU football, let's talk a little bit about it. The last few days, I've talked about the running back position and um, just, you know, trying to replace Kendra Miller and Amari DiMercato. And it had me thinking, and I'd love to hear from you in the comments. Of all the players that TCU is losing, because you're losing a lot of production off this team, um, which which player do you think will be the hardest to replace? And there's a lot of options here. Obviously, Max Duggan is one of the first that comes to mind. Heisman finalist. Had a great season at quarterback. Chandler Morris going to be stepping into those shoes. Quentin Johnston um, was a monster last season. Really saw him at his full potential, and it was special the way he could get up and down the field, get yards after the catch. Um, you're also losing some other guys in that receiving room, like Darius Davis and Tay Barber, who are very steady for you over the years. You're losing those running backs, as I said, Kendra Miller and Mario Mercado on defense. Some big time players: Travis Hodges, Tomlinson, the Thorpe Award winner, D. Winters, who had an outstanding game in the college football semifinal against Michigan. A lot of missing pieces from that 2022 team, who's going to be the hardest to replace? And I think the answer here is a guy that I haven't mentioned yet. And it's Steve Avila, um, the All-American guard, who made some money for for himself at the Senior Bowl, looked really good, um, was a stalwart of the interior offensive line all year long, played center last year. They kicked him over to guard. Alan Ali came over from SMU and Avila was great. I mean, he was so good all season long. Now TCU brought in Patrick Willis, um, who 
has played at Jackson State the last couple seasons. Uh, really big kid, big physical player. Also, John Lands is coming back, who has played at that guard position uh, for a, a number of years. And so they have some players. But I think he was so steady. He started every game. He played in every game this year. And if if you can't block up the interior of a defense, then your quarterback has no chance. You expect pressure from the edges. If pressures are if pressures coming from those defensive tackles, if pressure is coming from blitzers and the A gap, then plays are going to be dead on arrival. And in the run game, the way they're able to just road grade folks at the point of attack, run between the tackles consistently, run between the tackles in the fourth quarter when they were trying to salt games away and hold on to leads. Uh, really, all three of those interior offensive linemen are going to be missed a lot. But I'll single out Steve because of the job he did last season and him being an All-American. There's a ton of options here. You're replacing a lot of talent. Um, Dylan Horton, who became just a pass-rushing extraordinaire as the season went on. I mean, went from a guy who would occasionally flash to, you know, in some ways dominating that Michigan game and being able to get pressure with those three-man fronts. Um, it's going to be tough to replace him on the defensive line. We still don't know what it's going to look like with Chandler Morris back there as quarterback. You hope it's going to be great. You hope it's going to be everything that we expected to be, a guy who can process things quickly, can make accurate throws in the middle of the field, is very effective in that short to intermediate passing game, and can you know have this offense humming as the season goes along. But one of the big deficiencies the last few years – of the Gary Patterson era when Doug Meacham was calling plays and Jerry Kill was here, was that this team simply couldn't really block. I mean, they had some injuries along the offensive line. They had issues protecting Max. He was always kind of running for his life. He was always, you know, throwing on the run, throwing off his back foot, trying to make plays from different angles. And they shored that up in a big way. And so the turnover you have on the O-line is concerning. Um, because that's a group more than any other, that's a position group, that thrives on continuity. There has to be great communication. There has to be an ability to you know, pass different things off, handle exotic pressures. All that is tough to do with young and experienced players, which is what they'll face to a certain extent this season. So in my mind, that's going to be the toughest guy to replace. But let me know in the YouTube comments. You can also hit me up on Twitter. I'm at SimcockSteve, and the show is at LockedOnTCU. Um, we appreciate your input. One more segment coming here. Some more fan reaction from that basketball game tonight. And then also we'll talk about TC baseball. They play on Friday. So we'll have a preview on Thursday that coming up next on lockdown. Horn frogs. Yeah. So Tommy hit me up on Twitter, um, as well. And said, if we take another loss on Saturday at home, I'm giving them my effort. I'm giving up my effort as a fan for a while. They have not earned it in reference to the basketball team. Yeah, I mean, don't jump ship, Tommy. Come on. We're we're all here. We're all trying to, to get through this. Um, I think Saturday's going to be good. I feel like the crowd's going to be great. I think the energy level for the team is going to be good. But you got to respond now. I mean, you backed yourselves into a corner here, and um, now you got to go put up and, and make this thing happen. So hopefully they are fully healthy and everybody's ready to go, and they can play – with great energy and great enthusiasm on Saturday and, and start to 
get this thing going in the right direction. But another tough night for the Frogs as they fall to Iowa State today. Tomorrow we'll have uh, some TCU baseball talk. Frogs announced their weekend rotation for that Global Life Series, the opening series of the season. And uh, your Friday afternoon starter against Vanderbilt will be uh, Ryan Vanderhigh, the Kansas transfer. Cam Brown pitching on Saturday, and Sunday will be TBA. Looks like it will kind of depend on how the weekend goes. So um, some uncertainty there with the starters. you got new faces, and it's going to be fun to see how they respond in a tough, tough environment, tough series to start the season with, going up against three really solid SEC teams, two of those ranked um, in the top ten, Vandy number ten, and Arkansas number eight. We'll be back tomorrow. This is Locked on Horn Frogs.